What I want to talk to you about today is grace and law and the relation between them. And I'm going to use the vehicle of the movie to talk about it. Unplanned was the name of it. And it was quite a good movie. And what it was was a window into contemporary American Christianity. I agree with everybody that it was powerful emotionally. It was a good movie, worth seeing, take your friends and all that. But understand what you're seeing. It's a story of a young woman named Abby, who is the director of a Planned Parenthood clinic. She's married. She has a two-year-old child. The first scene in the movie is the two-year-old child is sitting across from her father, berating her father because her father has cut the toast wrong. Her father sort of smiles indulgently and calls mother over there to solve the problem. Mother then recuts the toast and everything is fine and mother goes off to the abortion clinic. What this establishes immediately is there is no male influence or authority in the entire movie. Zero, zip, zilch, nada. What it also describes is contemporary American Christianity. Her husband looks really good in a t-shirt and is supportive of everything that she does. Whatever it is, he's supportive. She has married her father because her father is the same man. No influence in the family. Brings his hands and praise and so forth when his daughter has gone off to be the leader of an abortion mill, but no authority. Abby is a churchgoer. She grew up in a Christian home. When she marries her husband, they go to church. So, again, Christianity has no influence over what Abby is actually doing. The church has no influence over what Abby is actually doing. The thing that turns Abby around is personal revulsion. She is in there and she witnesses an abortion and it turns her stomach. Appropriately so. Very powerful emotional scene. But understand that the thing that caused Abby to change her mind was Abby's personal revulsion, not any particular relationship to God, her husband, or anybody else. It is, ooh, this is really awful and icky, and I can't stand doing this anymore, and I'm not going to do it, and it's terrible. Me, 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 I. And don't get me wrong, I recommend the movie. I'm not knocking the movie. It is very powerful and it's aimed at Abby. The audience for that movie is Abby. And what it's trying to do for Abby is take a young woman and emotionally grab her and turn her stomach at the concept of abortion. That's a good thing. Everybody understand, I am not knocking the movie. What I'm talking about is it's a window into why the movie is necessary. They say it's all made sense. Now, Abby is what is known as weird. Weird is an acronym. Weird means Western, educated, industrial, rich, and democratic. That's weird society. It applies to America, it applies to Western Europe. And the thing about weird is the individual is supreme. Remember, we've talked about this a lot of times. Lawless, antinomian, autonomous. Autonomous means a law to themselves. Abby is an autonomous young woman. She is a law unto herself. And when she emotionally can't stomach abortion anymore, she turns against it. 
but it's all a law unto herself as opposed to God's law. And that's what makes sense to you. It's a window into where we are as a society. Now, the thing that's missing from weird, Western, educated, industrial, rich, and democratic, are things like loyalty. Institutions limit personal freedom. That's what they're designed to do. The institution of marriage, for example, says that you cannot be one with your German shepherd because you may be one with your German shepherd, but it is not marriage. So what do we do? When institutions conflict with our autonomy, we change the institutions. There's a church on Lookout Road that you will drive by, those of you who go by Lookout Road. And they have a rainbow sign out front. And it says, open hearts, open minds, open doors. Warren Hearn goes to church. Warren Hearn is a local abortionist who will do late-term abortions. He goes to church, like Abby goes to church. Church doesn't influence his decision. In fact, he thinks he's doing the Lord's work, just like Abby thought she was doing the Lord's work when she was in charge of the clinic. Well, there's a scene in there. When she finally comes to this revulsion at what she's doing, and she's sobbing and weeping in the arms of her supportive husband, who looks good in a t-shirt, God finally comes into the picture. How can God ever forgive me? Oh, the grace of God will cover it. Everything will be fine. And that's true. But the reason it's true is because Abby has repented. There's a step in there that Abby has done. She has repented of what she's been doing. And because she has repented, yes, the grace of God will in fact cover her sins. But if you look at somebody like, for example, Warren Hearn, who is believing that what he is doing is right and is not repenting, I'm not God. I don't get to decide. God's not going to consult me. He's not going to come to me and ask, John, what should you do here? That's not going to happen. He's going to decide. But I have a problem with somebody who is unrepentant and then claims that the grace of God is going to cover all of his sins. What that is is a misplaced emphasis in the Western church on salvation and grace. Salvation and grace are really important, big deals. But most of the church stops there. And the thing that you need to understand is that grace is a balance for law. Without law, grace has no meaning. Without grace, law is death. Now, trying to explain why God does something is a bit shaky, okay? He's God and I'm not, but God is not illogical. He is supra-logical, which is to say he sometimes does stuff that we don't understand. He, a lot of times he does stuff we don't understand. But the stuff that he wants us to understand is logical. In other words, logic is a perfectly good tool for understanding the Word of God and God. But there are some things that logic doesn't touch, and that, that's okay. So, for example, I have no idea why God doesn't like shrimp. I just obey that one, okay? I don't eat shrimp. God says don't eat shrimp. Cool. I don't need to understand why. I just do it. So let's look at grace and forgiveness and repentance and law. We are designed to learn iteratively. And for those of you who are not engineers, iteration means you do something over and over and over again until you get it right. Now, you can also keep doing things over and over and over again and never get it right. That can happen. Again, you've all had toddlers. I've been involved with lots of them. Toddlers make mistakes.
toddlers do evil things at a toddler level. In fact, there was a video that my daughter sent of her son has been told not to go outside. And he's pulled up a stool and he's gotten up on the stool and he's figured out now how to unlock the door. And the only thing that prevents him from going outside is he is standing on the stool which blocks the door as he's trying to open it. But in toddleries, that's evil. We get older, we get better at it. But for a toddler, that's evil because he's disobeyed his mother. His mother has told him not to go outside and he is figuring out, all right, she won't let me go outside. I will solve this problem myself and I'll be out of here. And by the way, her mother was returned to us by a man who drove up in a car and found her in a diaper in the middle of the street. So this is sort of payback. What happens is law gives you a standard. Free will gives you the ability to try stuff. And as you try stuff, you're going to do stuff wrong. Sometimes you're going to do stuff wrong on purpose. Sometimes you're going to do stuff wrong accidentally. But you're going to do stuff wrong. And one hopes that as you do stuff wrong and you keep doing it and you correct, you get better and better. That's sort of the idea. What grace does is allow God to say, all right, you have sinned. You have tried to go out in the front yard when I told you not to. You've disobeyed me. But you've repented. And I forgive you. In other words, grace is built into the fabric of the universe because that's how God designed us. He didn't issue us from the womb perfect. Not even me. He expects us to make mistakes. He expects us to go through life with trial and error. He expects us to mess up. And what he did is he gave us this Torah, the law. And what the law says is, here are the standards against which you should operate. And part of that law, it's written into the Torah. It is not an addition that Yeshua made in the New Testament. It is in the Torah. It's when you mess up, you fall on your face, you repent, you change your ways, and God will forgive. This is not an addition that just happens in the New Testament. This is clear back in the Torah. It's the way God designed the system. The problem comes when you misunderstand or do not apply the law. And that's where most of the church has gone astray. They have actively ignored the law. In fact, they've said, you don't want to study that stuff because it doesn't apply to you. Kay was telling me about a Christian teacher that she was listening to on the radio. And some guy called up and asked, well, what's the purpose of the law? None. There's no temple anymore. We can't do it. It doesn't apply to you. Don't read it. It's not for you. And so what happens is we pick and choose the parts of the Bible that make us feel good. And we operate our lives as if that's the only part of the Bible that's operative. Now, this happens over and over and over again in the Bible to Israel. It happens in Isaiah. We're studying Isaiah right now on Tuesday night. And one of the things that God says to Isaiah, and I will read it for you so I'm not accused of misquoting. In fact, Yeshua quotes this himself. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. 
God is telling his prophet, shut this people down so that they do not understand and do not turn and be healed because they have gotten to the point where they smell like dirty diapers and God is saying, you guys are going into exile. And my prophet is going to tell you why, but you're not going to understand it. Yeshua does exactly the same thing. Remember when we get the parable of the sower in Matthew 13? And he gives the parable of the sower in red letters in my Bible. And his disciples come to him privately and say, What are you talking about, boss? I don't understand a word you just said. And then he explains the parable of the sower. And what he says is, It's given to you to understand, but not to them. Because they are going into exile. Or words to that effect. So Yeshua then starts speaking in parables after Matthew 13 because they have rejected him when he came as a prophet and said repent and in John chapter 8 there's that conversation he's arguing with the Pharisees he's duking it out with them and what he's saying is you guys are a den of vipers you're following your father the devil what he's doing is he's calling them to repent and they're saying We are children of Abraham. We don't have any need to repent. God will save us. We're his people. We got his covenant. God's grace will cover it all. You understand what's going on there? They are looking at the form of their religion just like they did back in Isaiah's time, just like they did in Jeremiah's time, just like they did in Yeshua's time, and they are all saying God wouldn't do that to us. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. We're his people. We are children of Abraham. God wouldn't do that to us. Does that sound like the Sunday church? We are going to be raptured out of here. God's not going to do that to us. Do you see the parallels? And what the movie does is it lays that out right in front of you. And again, I will say one more time, I recommend the movie. Take your friend who is Abby to that movie and perhaps it will get her attention. But understand, it is a window into the problems with American Christianity. No male authority. No male influence. Autonomy. I get to do whatever I think is right. Unlimited grace. God will cover it. We see this over and over and over again in Scripture and we're seeing it in our society right now. A couple times ago when I was up here, I was talking about getting things almost right and how almost right is really dangerous because almost right is not right. And I was talking about it in the context of socialism. Socialism is a satanic counterfeit for the Torah. On the surface, it looks very much like Torah, but it is designed to bring human suffering and death. It's designed by Satan, and it always brings human suffering and death regardless. It cannot be made to work. But it's almost right, so people of goodwill keep trying to make it work. Well, if we just tweak this, surely it'll work. Or if we just tweak that, surely it will work. Or if we just refrain from shooting people. Or if we shoot the wrong people. Or if we shoot the right people. Somehow we can make this work, because it's almost right. And that's what's so seductive about it. And that takes us to Nadab and Avihu. Nadab and Avihu were almost right. David was almost right when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted to bring it back. He wanted to put it in the tabernacle. He just got it from the Philistine. I want to put it where it's supposed to do. It's almost right. Except instead of having Levites carry it on their shoulders, he had it on an ox cart, and somebody reached out to touch it to steady it, and 
crispy critter. Nadab and Avihu. They're priests. They have just been ordained. They have just been consecrated. The glory of the Lord shows up in the tabernacle. Oh, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to bring incense before his altar. I'm going to glorify God. Crispy critters. Almost right. Christianity in the United States today is almost right. And because it's only almost right, what it does is it breeds abbeys. It breeds Warren Hearns. It breeds these people who can go to church every Sunday and pray and worship and say, praise God, and then they can go into their abortion clinic on Monday morning and start killing people because it's almost right. They say, that's all made sense. I am not denigrating grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. It's built into God's system. It is the thing that allows us to survive in the, in the face of all the scummy stuff that we do. It's wonderful. Not denigrating salvation. Salvation is amazing. But the church, focusing only on those two things and neglecting the balancing law, which says these are the standards. By dropping the standards and neglecting the standards, what you wind up doing is you wind up making God in your own image. There's a radio advertisement on right now, and it's for the History Channel, The Life of Jesus. And the guy they have for the voice of Jesus is the most wimpish fruit you ever heard in your life. I am the resurrection and the life in this soft, breathy voice. And you can be sure he's going to look good in a t-shirt. Soft, non-confrontational, soft voice, don't scare anybody, don't get anybody upset, look really good in a t-shirt, very supportive. That's who Jesus is to a lot of people. They overlook the line of the tribe of Judah that's going to have blood up to the withers of the horses. And that's what our problem is. And that's what's exposed in this movie. Go see it again. As I say, it is a good movie. Well done. Powerful emotionally. Recommend it. And as I say, if you've got a friend like Abby, take her. Because it may turn her stomach and it may bring her to repentance. I'm not knocking the movie. But what I'm saying is, it is a window into where we are. And if we don't understand where we are and how we got there, we're never going to get out. Because falling on your face and asking God for forgiveness, if you are almost right, is going to make you like Nadab and Abihu. They loved the Lord. They were devout. They were adorned priests. They thought they were doing the right thing. They died. That's the way it is, folks. And what we seem to want is this comfortable, soft, fuzzy relationship with God, this comfortable, soft, fuzzy religion that doesn't ever make any real demands on us, especially no real demands for obedience. Because, oh, well, nobody's perfect. God will forgive you. And indeed he will if you repent and change your ways. What he doesn't forgive is continuing to do the same thing and just say, oh, well, this nice, soft, cuddly Jesus will forgive me. That doesn't work. And there are example after example after example in the Bible of that. 
John chapter 8, Jeremiah, where the people of Israel are standing there saying, Oh, look, we got the temple of the Lord. We'll be protected as the Babylonians come through and destroy them and their temple and send them into exile. It is normal for human beings to look at God that way. And what's happening in the church in the United States today is no different than what happened in Israel time and time again. That's why the Bible writes it down for us so we can recognize when we're doing it. So, go out and take somebody to that movie, but understand what you're seeing.